Let us pray. Yes. Mm. We thank you, Heavenly Father, mm. for, for loving us and uh, oh, yeah. giving us your word. So oh, that's good. Learn what you that's want us to learn good. and hear what you want us to hear and mm. see what you want us to see mm. and love mm. what you want us to love. And, Father, yes. we thank you for all of us yes. and we've done all this time together and we ask you to bless this time, these people in this place. Right. Right, yes. And in Jesus' name we pray. Absolutely. In the name of the glorious Jesus. Amen. Oh yeah. Amen. Oh yes. Hang on a second, I think I have a Pokemon over here. You got it. All right. Okay. Is that the weirdest game ever right now? How many of you have that on your phone? Don't raise your hand. We just don't raise your hand. I just don't get that game at all. Like people stopping in traffic, causing accidents, finding dead bodies. There's just weird stuff. There's just weird stuff going on with that. Hey, good morning. Glad you are here today. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited for this series that we are in. If you're brand new, I would love to meet you after the service. If you came on the arm of a friend, uh, hey, come back. I'll be in the next step room after the service. My wife, Laura, and I are going to be back there. We'd love to say hi and, and just meet you. And just remember, at the core of who we are is loving God and loving people. You may, you may have actually stumbled in here uh, looking for a Pokemon, just like, what, what, what is this? What's, go, what's going on here? How did I end up here? Do you know that we actually have had people on our property walking around with their phones like that, trying to find that Pokemon? And so if you're here for that reason, good. The Lord, the Holy Spirit led you through Pikachu. Some of y'all, if you're really church people, if you're really church people, like, oh, I'm not letting my children download that game. It is, no, it's it's wrong. It's an abomination unto God. Uh, Anyway, okay, so let's get into the word. We are going to be in John chapter 15, and we are in our series called Prayer Full. Hey, I'm excited. Next Sunday, make sure you're here. Uh, I convinced Laura who has been back, if you didn't hear, she had a major surgery. She's going to be sharing her faith journey from the last um, three months and where God has taken her and uh, what has happened in her life. So she's going to be here. Be here next week. She's going to be sharing her story um, and what our family has gone through in just the last three months and how we've held on to God in prayer. So I'm pretty excited about her sharing next week. We are in the summer of Sabbath. We're, we're doing this thing where we're saying yes to rest. Say yes to rest. Say that with me. Say yes to rest. That just sounds good, doesn't it? And we're, we've got this idea that what, what if we began to practice again the Christian Sabbath? What, what if we were to say yes to faith, to family, and to friends. How awesome would that be? Because we're all so busy, we're all so worn out, but what if we did what God uh, called us to do and we just kind of took Sunday and we pushed back from the world and we said, you know what? This day belongs to God. This day belongs to my family. This day belongs to my friends. I'm, I'm shutting everything out. And what if we just came and did this, where we came together and sang a little bit and heard from the word and took communion together and laughed with our friends and talked with our friends? And, and what if, like, after church, you continued that Sabbath idea of saying yes to your family. What if, what if instead of going out to eat and laying down 50 to to $100, you actually just went home 
and said, I, I, we're going to eat at home. That's what we're going to do. We're going to save the money. We're not going to stand in line for it. Because when you go out to eat with your family, it's a nightmare. You spend 50 to to $100 to wait in a lobby with a bunch of stinky people until you can finally get in and get yours. And then you get in and you sit down. And then when you sit down, there's 12 people behind you. So you better eat your food fast. And you can't even keep your kids at the table with you. They're at somebody else's table looking at what they've ordered. And you go home and you're like, what was that all about? That was the most expensive, miserable experience of my life. And I would just say, listen, Laura and I have been doing this for years. We, we usually don't go out ever on Sundays to eat. We've always gone home and we eat together as a family. I, I consider the table a sacred space for us as a family. We go, we sit down at the table, and, and when we sit at the table together, for, well, it starts actually in the kitchen where we cook together and help each other and it's a miserable experience sometimes doing that, just being honest. And, but we have this time where we cook and hang out together, and then we sit around the table, and I live for it because it's a time when I trap my children at the table. <laughs> I literally do that. I trap them at the table. They can't get up unless they get in trouble, and then they have to go to the stairs, um, which is weird when they're 17 years old. But, but we sit around the table, and we have conversation together. We, we laugh together. We talk together. And we hang out together. That just sounds amazing to me. But we don't do it. We don't do it. And then we say, hey, hey, we ought to get together sometime. We say that to our friends all the time. And, and we don't do it. Man, last night we had some uh, friends came by and brought us a meal. And, and they came in. And we're like, hey, sit down. And I was sitting, sit, and, and that whole thing came out of, we're always just so busy. And I was like, you know, just sit down. What else do I got to do? Just sit down. Let's have some conversation. Let's talk. And they hung out for a couple of hours, and we just had fun with friends. Don't, don't you desire? I, I desire that. I, I want that. That's what this Summer of Sabbath is all about. And so this series is part of the Summer of Sabbath series, this prayerful series. So we're going to be in John. Uh, I haven't even started preaching yet, so it's going to be a long day. Uh, John chapter 15. I wouldn't be laughing. It's right now. Somebody right now is like, don't be laughing because that ain't even funny. John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, we give them away. They're free. You can come get one for me in the next step room or just get your mobile device. Go to corechurch.com, download a Bible app. Stand with me. Let's read out of John. This is uh, John was one of, if you're new to church, new to the Bible, John was one of Jesus's disciples. He was uh, Jesus' best friend and hung out with him all the time for three years, and then he became a leader in the church, and he wrote the account of Jesus' life. And so we are in John chapter 15, and I read out of the New Living Translation. So you're looking for the NLT if you have a mobile device. So let's start in verse 1. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So remain in me, and, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, let's pray together. Thank you. Father, for uh, the chance to um, spend some time in your word, and thank you for the worship that we've already had, and I just ask that you would just be honored now through um, the speaking of your word, that we would hear from you today, 
Let's just pray for one another right now. I don't have to do that out loud, but let's just pray for one another. If you're a follower of Jesus, let's just pray. God, help us. Help each of us in this room right now to hear from you. Help me. God, help me to hear from you. And, and I also would welcome your prayers as your pastor that I'll be faithful to his word um, and excited about the word that he has for us today. So God, come now with your presence in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, about uh, 10 years plus, uh, Laura and I, we moved into a new house, and when we moved into this new house, um, our backyard had this beautiful, green, luscious, um, high fescue lawn that I successfully killed in the first, like, six months. I do not have a green thumb. I can't grow anything. I, I will say this. For the last decade, I have successfully grown amazingly luscious full, vibrant dirt. It is the brownest dirt you have ever seen. It has been cultivated by me. It's amazing. How many of you have, a, how many of you don't have a green thumb? You, you kill everything you touch. If it's green, you're killing it. Okay, you're my people because I can't. Well, a few years ago, a couple years ago, I decided that um, I was tired of not being able to grow grass, so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put in a garden. I'll just kind of make a little garden area. Now, not, not like uh, tomatoes and things like that, but I'm talking about like plants and, and flowers and stuff. And so I began working on this, but I'm telling you, I have no clue. It's been three years. I still don't know the name of a single plant I have planted. I don't know the name of a single flower I planted. You can check with Laura after the service. Just yesterday, I was telling her to tell me what the name of them was so I could bring it to you and I could act like I knew what I was talking about. And I've already for forgotten about it. Something about a merry-go-round. That's all I remember. It's a merry-gold. I got it. Marigold. It's called a marigold. Okay, so I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll be like, you know, it's the, it's, the, it's the fluffy one, flower, and then some of them are pink and some of them are blue. Anybody? Those are... Hydrangeas, yeah, see, so there, so I don't know, and I'll forget that 10 minutes from now. So I didn't, I'm so clueless. I, so what I've been doing is I've been planting things that are supposed to be in the shade in the sun and things that are supposed to be in the sun I've been planting in the shade and they've been dying on me. So I'm like, well, they're dying. Oh, and somebody will say, oh, that's supposed to be in the sun. So I just dig it up and I move it over here and I put it back into the ground and I am killing everything. I've had people come to me who found out that I'm doing this garden in my backyard, and they will bring to me, and I'm not making this up, they will literally say to me, Pastor, I wanted you to have this. This is dug out of my great-grandmother's garden. She brought it across on a wagon across the plains of Kansas, and she prayed over it. It was her prayer garden. I want you to have it, Pastor. I'm like, well, that thing's about to meet your grandma because... <laughs> I should not. We should not have that. This is terrible. So I, I've been working at it. I, I will tell you, I tell you, there's one thing you can't kill, mulch. <laughs> you can't kill mulch. No, you can't kill mulch. All right, so real quick, I, I want to show you, I'll show you a before picture, and then I'll show you an after picture. The reason I want to do this is because I can't get any affirmation from my family, so I come here for my affirmation. All right, so, so this is what it looked like before. Okay, that's uh, pretty much, yeah, pretty much what I did. I could grow green leaves. I was pretty good at that. Uh, and you ready? Ready? Here's what it looks like now. Stop. 
stop. You guys are too much. Thank you. All right. That does look pretty good. All right. Hey, today I want to talk to you about tending the garden of your soul. Tending the garden of your soul. Because I think we all, we all want good things to grow in our lives, don't we? I mean, we want things like kindness and patience and, uh, and forgiveness. We want all of those things to, to grow in our lives. But so often, instead of kindness and patience and forgiveness, we're, instead, we grow things like anger and resentment and bitterness. And then we get frustrated. Because we're like, why can't I get good things to grow? Why, why can't I make something nice grow? I try to be kind, I'm trying, I'm doing the best I can, but I keep failing over and over. At best, my soul looks like a patch of dirt. It just is not resembling anything close to what Christ wants for my life. So what I want to talk to you about is tending the garden of your soul. In in order for good things to grow in our lives, we have to begin in the garden of our soul. So I'd like for you to write this down. Here's kind of where we're going to head for the next few minutes, okay? Know your role in tending your soul. Know your role in tending your soul. Turn to somebody and say, do you know your role? Do you know your role? Do you know your role? Jesus uses a garden analogy to kind of show us what our role is in tending our soul. Let's go to John 15.1. He says this, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. So in this passage, and we read the whole passage just a moment ago, in this passage, Jesus kind of describes the roles that we have. He says, you and I are are the branches. We're going to come to that here in just a moment. Then he says, he is the vine, and he says that the father is the gardener. So everybody has a role in the garden of my soul. And as the gardener, the father's role, is to cultivate, is to care for, is to, is to watch over our soul. But how often do we take on the role of the gardener? Like we try to work things out ourselves, do we not? We try to go to work on ourselves. Like we grab a hold of that garden rake and we say, yeah, I got it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. You know, God helps those who help themselves. Hallelujah. My favorite Bible verse. Not even in the Bible. But we do that, do we not? Over and over again. But yet, Jesus says the Father is the gardener. So we grab that garden rake. We try to go to work on ourselves. We try to be kind and caring and patient and and forgiving. And and then we have kids. (laughs) Come on, somebody. I'm preaching up in here right now to somebody. You just had this on your way to church, did you not? Yeah, da- da- daddy's, daddy's trying real hard here, honey. Daddy's trying real hard. Daddy, daddy needs you to stop. Daddy needs you to stop. You know, you know you're about to lose it on your kids when you start talking in the third person because <laughs> you don't want to take responsibility for your actions. You know, you're like, it's going to talk like, listen, you're just, you, are, you are getting on my last nerve, okay? I got a lot of nerve endings in this body, and you're getting on the last one. Oh, you're not just on it. You are pouncing on it. right? You best get off right now. Dismount, dismount. I mean, you just... You try, you want to be kind, you want to be caring, and we try to fix ourselves, 
and guarding our own soul, and it never works. But yet, Jesus says right here that it's the Father that's the gardener. The Father is the gardener. we got to hand him the rake. We, we need to invite him into the process because that's his role. His role is to cultivate our soul. His role is to watch over, to care for, to water, to plant, and to, to seed. So you got to know your role in tending your soul. Know your role in tending your soul. Turn to somebody and say, how's your soul? How's your soul? Jesus says that the Father watches over our soul. He's the one who plants. He's the one who waters. And Jesus also tells us he's the one who prunes. Look at verse 2. Jesus says this. He cuts off every branch of mine. He's talking about the Father. So the role, Jesus is the vine. The Father cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now, um, when we read that, some of us, it makes us nervous. We're like, am I, am I just going to get cut off? Is that what Jesus is just going to cut me right off and I'm just going to be laying dead there? What's going to happen to me? What he's talking about in this particular moment here, he's talking about people that are really Christian in name only. They have no relationship with Jesus. They're not following Jesus. They're not pursuing Jesus. They, they've never sought forgiveness or restoration from Jesus. Just people that are kind of Christian in name only. And he says, yeah, they're going to get, they're going to cut off. But then he says this, and he prunes the branches. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, you're a branch. That's your role as a branch. And he says, as the branch, as a follower of Jesus, he prunes you, the branch that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. When, when I was learning how to do this garden thing, and I'm a couple years into it, this year I learned something new called deadheading. How many of you have ever heard of deadheading? Okay, there's, there's our green thumbs right there. Could you keep your hands up? We need to see you after service. I need to talk to you immediately. I didn't know what that was. I was like, man, that just sounds awful, deadheading. But what deadheading is, is where you go out into your garden to the flowers, and the ones that where the flower bud is dead, you pop the head right off of it. And I was like, oh, that just sounds cruel until I tried it. <laughs> and I was loving it. So I love deadheading. I've discovered what my passion and my call, my holy discontent, my core cause in life is, sorry, is uh, deadheading. I go out in the, my garden and I do this every day. I'll just go out there and I'm searching and like the flowers are hiding from me. I'm like, I know there's a dead one in here somewhere. And not that I'm thinking of anybody while I'm deadheading. Um, <laughs> it's just, you're like, oh, I'm going to get you. And then you just reach down and you pop the head right off of that. We need to practice deadheading in our life. We need to give the Father full access to our soul. We need to be open before him and allow him to look into our lives, to the dead spots in our lives. Deadheading is really this idea of repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness. I come before the Father, I open myself up to him, and I say, all right, you need to look for the dead spots in my life. And he comes in, and here's the cool thing. The Father loves to deadhead. He loves to deadhead our lives. He loves to come into our lives, find those things that are not like him, find those things that are dead, and pop them off. Why? Because he's a forgiving Father. 
He's a loving father. We hate pruning. Pruning sounds cruel to us. It sounds mean to us. None of us like to open up ourselves to that because we don't want to face it. But really what pruning is in this particular passage and what Jesus is talking about is it's a merciful act. It's a merciful act that the Father does for us, that we are, we are dead in our sin. And I have no ability to deadhead myself, and I need the Father to come in, and I need him to take that out. Because here's how deadheading works. If you don't remove the dead bud, it will suck all the nutrients that are supposed to be going to those parts of the flower that are alive. And in, in time, if you don't deadhead, the entire flower will die because all the nutrients get sucked into the dead part. But when you deadhead it, when you actually pull off the dead part, it will flourish. I've seen this in my own garden as I've gotten out there and I've been popping these heads. I remember the first few times I did and I'm popping all these deadheads off and I'm thinking, there's one bud. This thing's not gonna make it. There's only one little bud here. This thing is a goner and here I'm ripping the head off of it. I come back like four days later, there's like five flowers blossoming off of it. This is what the Father does in your life. This is what he does in my life. When I open myself to him, when I recognize and realize you're the gardener, you water and you feed. And we love to be watered and fed. We love the hope that the Father brings to us. But he also wants to get in and take those parts that are ruining us, those things that are broken in us, those things that are causing our very soul to collapse upon itself. And he wants to take it and remove it so that your life can flourish. He wants you to grow. He wants you to become all that you were created to be. He wants me to become all that I was created to be. But if I don't give him permission, if I don't open myself up, if I don't invite him in to look into those areas of my life and remove that, I can never become all that he's called me to be. So here's the thing. The gardener, he can't water and he can't prune unless you're attached to the vine. And this is where Jesus again says in verse 5, he kind of comes back and says the same thing again. He says, yes, I am the vine. Jesus is the vine. You are the branches, you and I, the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, you can do what? Nothing. You know why you can't do anything? You know why I can't do anything? Because a branch has no root system. A branch has no root system. You can cut a branch off from something, stick it in the ground, and water it as long as you want to water it. Cultivate the soil around that branch all you want to, and all that branch is going to do is die. It cannot come back because it is detached from the vine, from the root system. And Jesus is the root system. This is why it's so important to know your role in tending your soul. You're not the gardener, you're not the one who plants, you're not the one who prunes, you're not the one who waters, and you're not the vine. You're not the one that brings that life into you. It's Jesus who does that. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. In the Greek, nothing means nothing. It's this idea of the door being closed, being slammed in your face. That's the idea here, is that you are not going to get anywhere. How many of us, though, are running 
at 100 miles an hour, like you got up this morning or you're going to get up tomorrow morning or this week you get up, you're already 15 minutes behind, are you not? And you're rushing the kids around because you're late and you got to get out the door and you hustle out that door and you run out that door and you haven't done anything to cultivate the garden of your soul. You spent no time with the Father to allow him to speak to you. And you think you're running out the door into your future. But what you have done every single day that you operate that way is you are slamming the door on your future. You're slamming the door on your hopes, on your dreams, all the things that you want to see happen in your life, all the good things you want to see come out of your life, the kindness, the patience, the forgiveness that you want and desire in your life when you don't stop and sit and let the Father nurture you and care for you and watch over you and prune you, you cannot do what he's called you to do. My role, your role as a branch is to stay connected to the vine, staying connected to Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you, apart from me, you can't be a patient parent. Part, part from me, Jesus says, you can't love your spouse the way you're, you're having trouble with your spouse right now. You guys aren't getting along. You can't figure out your marriage and it's in ruins and you're like, I don't, I'm about ready to give up on this thing. Good luck. If you're, a, if you're not attached to the vine, good luck because it's all on you. It's all on you. But when you attach yourself to the vine, now you get the nutrients from the Father. Now that Jesus is working through you and he can impart kindness to you. You go to work and you get impatient, you get upside down with somebody, somebody hurts you, harms you, wounds you, and you're in a position where it's literally impossible to forgive that person for the wound that they put on you. Yes, but when you are attached to Jesus, guess what? It isn't on you. It's never been on you. It's never been on me. Jesus and the Father have never put that mantle on us, has never put that weight on us, but we put it on ourselves. Oh, I've got to be more kind. I've got to be more patient. I'm going to figure out a way to forgive that person, but man, what they did to me, and we're trying so hard on our own, and the Father's sitting there going, no, no, it's not your role. That's not, that's not who you are. You have a simple role. I have a simple role, and that is this. Stay attached to the vine. That's it. That's my role. All I have to do is stay attached to Jesus. And when I stay attached to Jesus, all of a sudden, kindness begins to be birthed out of me. I'm able to love my spouse in the way in which I I want to love them. I'm able to forgive those who have wounded me, and I don't take credit for it. I know it's the Father working through the Son and bringing those nutrients and bringing that life into me. But, but it's not easy when you come across mean people. We, we were in New York, my son and I, last week, and we were coming home, and we were in the New York airport, and we're, we're standing in the New York airport, and we're noticing that our plane is delayed by about an hour. And I'm like, that's no problem, that's no problem. Then it was delayed two hours, and then an, another delay. And all of a sudden, we start realizing all of these flights out of New York are all being canceled and rerouted, and planes aren't coming in, and it's just the whole thing is all messed up. And, and so 
everybody's getting frantic in the airport, so everybody's getting in line at the ticket counter. Have you ever been in that experience before? I've rarely been in that experience, but I'm standing here in the ticket line. It's like 35 to 40 people deep. So I go to another ticket line. They can't help me over there, and I'm calling my son, and I said, how long is that line you're in? And he counts. He's like, 34 people ahead of us, Dad. 34? We're never going to get there. And so I get in line, and, and we're just standing there. I go, Whoa. And so then I'm like, oh, wait a second. I'll call the airline. I'm standing in line, so I called the airline, get a hold of the airline. I said, hey, I'm stuck here. And there's this, no problem, Mr. Farnsworth. I love calling the airline because at least I get some respect there. And so they're like, hey, Mr. Farnsworth. And they, they said, we got a flight that leaves uh, in about 10 minutes for Denver, and that'll get you home to Tulsa. I'm like, dude, book it, book it now. And they're like, okay, well, you're going to have to get your boarding passes immediately. And I was like, okay, well, what gate? And they're like, it's actually leaving from the same gate that you're at. I'm like, oh, this is great. And so I get off the phone. I go, we got our tickets now. Well, we got to cut in front of 35 people right now. You imagine how that went? So we go, we cut in front of 35 people. I get up the front and I go, hey, we need to get our boarding passes. And this family in front of us loses it. I mean, loses it. We have been here for an hour and a half. Who are you to cut in front of us? I'm like, woo, man. And the guy at the ticket counter is like, hey, let's all, this is great. He's like, let's all just calm down. And I'm like, yeah, let's all just calm down. This couple's like losing. I'm like, yeah, I just need to get my boarding passes. And they're like, well, I was like, yeah, we were in the back of the line, same line you were in. We came, well, how did you get them? Well, we, we you know, there's a thing called technology, cell phone. We called, we got our airlines. Can I get my, can I get my boarding pass? And I kind of losing, get a little chippy with this family. I mean, I'm just like, because I'm upset. Now they're upset. I got to get on my plane and I got like five minutes. So you just better back on off and you better give me my boarding passes right now in the name of Jesus. And so... <laughs> So I'm standing there, and I am just about to lose it. And the, the Holy Spirit intervened in that moment. And the guy behind the ticket counter asked this family, now, where are you flying to? And they said, we're going to Tulsa. You go to Tulsa? Hey, have you ever heard of a place called Core Church? <laughs> They're like, no. I'm like, well, good, because you'd hate it. Their pastor is mean. He's ugly. <laughs> Can I get my boarding passes, please? See ya. You have to stay attached to the vine. Because you're going to come into some situations that are difficult, that are a, a struggle for you and difficult for you. That's my role. My role is stay attached. And Jesus says this, if you remain in me and I'm in you, you're going to produce much fruit. You're going to produce much love, much fruit. You're going to produce much kindness. You're going to produce forgiveness. And that doesn't come from you, but it comes from the Father. I really think that prayer and the Word are what keep us connected to the vine. Prayer and the Word, talking to God and God talking to me walking with God, and God walking with me. I'm talking to him, and he's talking to me. And we're in this, this garden of my soul together. We walk in the garden of my soul together. And through the word and through prayer, I learned to stay connected to the vine. When we were in New York, uh, my son and I, this was, I told you last week, this was uh, every, when my kids graduate high school, I'll tell them, I told them, I'll take you anywhere you want to go in the continental United States. So he, he picks 
the most expensive place in the United States. He picks New York City. I'm like, hey, man, Branson's awesome this time of year. Come on, man. We're going to go see the bald daubers. That'd be awesome. I'll splurge for a day. You know, so we'll go to the Presley Jubilee. Come on. And he's like, no, Dad, we'll go to New York City. So we went to New York City. And we, we had an amazing time. There's just so much to see there. And we get off the, the plane. We put our bags up. And I mean, and I just, I'm like, let's go, man. We, we took off running. And I mean, we're seeing everything the city has to show you. We, we go to St. Patrick's Cathedral, and then we're down at Rockefeller Center, and then we're over to NBC Studios, and then we're at Radio City Music Hall, and then we're over at the Empire State Building, then we went to Macy's Department Store, and then we went down to Times Square. This is all in like the first three hours. And then we went to Chinatown, and then to Little Italy, then we caught a subway over to the Brooklyn Bridge. We get onto the Brooklyn Bridge, and he's like, Dad, I'm done. I can't go another step. I'm like, Really? You know, you let your old man show you up. I got old man strength, okay? So come on, we're going. We are at the bridge. We're walking across. So we walk across this bridge, and we did this for a week, just going all over. The one thing I learned about New York City is, man, there's a lot of people there, a lot more than there are here in Oklahoma. You're constantly getting out of people's way in New York City. I mean, it's awesome. I enjoy being there, but there's a lot of noise. Everybody's busy, and you're, in, you're always in somebody's way. Nobody, it's not like being home where, you know, you see somebody you're like, oh, excuse me, you step out of somebody's way. They don't do that in New York City. You better get out of their way. So we're about halfway through the trip, and then we go to Central Park. That place is on. Believable, Like everything you've seen in pictures is true. Like here's a picture I took of Central Park. That, it looks just like that. That's the famous sailboat pond where they have the remote controlled sailboats. I mean, I come around the corner and I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is. Oh my gosh, that's in the movies. That's in the movies. <laughs> he turns like, I know dad, chill. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's in Elf. That was in Elf. That's where they had a snowball fight. Take my picture. Take my picture. Take my picture. Just like Will Ferrell. I mean, I just, it's an amazing, <laughs> it's amazing. Pl- oh, come on, people. So, uh, but as we were in this park, it's just an amazing place. They, the, the architecture, and they have all these street musicians, and they have ponds, and they have the famous boat lake, and all these different things. It's so relaxing. And the one thing I noticed is when we began to walk out of the park, I started hearing the noise of the city getting closer and closer and louder and louder until we got out of the park. And when we stepped back out of the park, off of the green grass, back onto the concrete, and I looked around, and there were millions of people just going everywhere like ants, and there were only a few in the park. And I was like, hey, (laughs) they're just running, they're busy, they're they're." just tired. They're, I mean, they're just, you see it in them. They're overwhelmed. They've got to get somewhere. And I'm like, hey, rest is right there. I think that's a, a picture of what God wants to do in the garden of our soul. I think that's what he wants to do for you and I. When, when we have an opportunity, he says, listen, rest is right here, but we're so busy. We're going at a frantic pace and we got to get out of each other's way. And we just, I just don't have time for that. And we never stop to rest. And to walk with our Father in the garden. Jesus did this often. We see this throughout his life is that he often withdrew to pray. I love this. One of his favorite places to pray was a garden. And the night that he was betrayed, they found him in a garden praying, seeking the face of his Father. He did this all 
the time. This is what God invites you and I into. He invites us into this garden to, to walk with him and to talk with him. And I, I don't know why or where we got this concept that, that spending time in the word and prayer is, is so oftentimes it becomes um, a duty or a burden. And it's not. It's, it's an invitation it's an invitation that, that God gives to us. You know, we're talking about this summer of Sabbath. What if we took a daily Sabbath? What if just for the summer you said, I'm going to practice a daily Sabbath? Not out of duty, not out of obligation, not out of burden, but as an invitation. This is what the Father does for us. He, he invites us to walk with him, to to talk with him, to, to sit with him, to shut off the world, to, to find the peace you so desperately want, to renew your faith, to bring hope and restore hope in your life once again. This is what he does, not just on a Sunday morning. He wants to do that every day of your life. What if you just said, I'm going to unplug and I'm going to go into the garden of my soul and I'm going to sit with God and I'm just going to let him renew me and let him restore me. I'm just going to enjoy him and let him enjoy me. For that to happen, we have to know our roles, tending our soul. We're going too much. We're going too much. We're trying too hard. We're wearing ourselves out. We're wearing those around us out. And Jesus says it was never intended to be on you. It was never intended for you to carry that. That's my Father. My Father does that. Attach yourself to me. That's your role. Just attach yourself to me. Find rest. Find peace. Find restoration. And let me work through you and let me birth those things in you. Let's just practice that for a moment. Would you bow your heads? And let's just take a moment to kind of look into the garden of our soul. Let God search you right now. Invite him into your soul. If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe there is... Maybe there's some places in your life that you realize I have been trying to muster all these things up on my own and I've not been attached to the vine and I need to surrender that to the Father now. I need to reattach to the vine. I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out, but I do want to know how to pray for you. If that's you today, would you just lift, lift up your hand? I need to reattach to the vine. I, I, need, I need some soul care right now. I need him to go into the garden of my soul and help me. I need him to speak to me. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Maybe as a follower of Jesus, you'd say, I've got some pruning. And I, Brad, I just, uh, I've not been open to God. And I want to be open and I want him to prune me. I want him to take out the things that are ugly. I want him to take out the things that are dead. I want him to remove those sin and the thing that is not like him. And I need him to prune me today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I need him to prune me. Amen. Awesome. Hands everywhere. You put your hands down. If you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, everything I talked about today is for you. Everything I talked about today is for you. Jesus wants to walk with you. 
Think of yourself right now. What you are now is detached from the vine. You're a branch that has no root system. And now in this moment, maybe for you, if you're not a follower of Jesus or maybe you've been away from him for a long time, it's like a light bulb going on for you right now. You're like, I get it. I get it. I have no root system. I can't make any of this stuff happen on my own. I can't forgive myself. I can't forgive others. I can't be loving. I can't be kind. I'm not able to be patient. I want to attach myself to the vine. If today you want to become a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've been away from him for a long time and you want to come back to him, you want to reattach to the vine, it just begins by asking him to forgive you, to forgive you, to invite him in and say, I want to start walking with you. If that's you today, just raise your hand so I can know how to pray for you. Anybody like that today? Thank you. Anybody else? I'm. Thank you. Got you in the middle, down here in the front. Anyone else? I'm, I need to reattach to the vine. I need to attach myself to the vine. I need to become a follower of Jesus or renew my commitment to him. God, thank you today for the men and women who are making these commitments to you. I pray that they would know forgiveness. I pray that they would know hope again. I pray they would sense the gift of your spirit with them. God, thank you for new life. Thank you for those who are going from death to life today. Those who are saying, man, I'm a sinner, but I ask God to forgive me. And, and he comes in and man, today I wanna to tell you, if, you're, if you are not a follower of Jesus and you've confessed that sin and you wanna to attach to the vine, you, my friend, are attached to the vine today. You're attached to the vine. The life-giving blood of Jesus flows through your veins. You will never walk alone again. You don't have to try again. You can just exist within him and allow him to change you into the person that he desires. God, to you all glory, to you all honor, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give God a hand clap for changed life.